You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. I'm just trying to stay present. I'm, I'm not trying to overanalyze, overthink. I'm not trying to brood on anything. I'm not trying to get like precious about like what my art means to me and what it means to the people who like my band. I feel like all that shit, it's just so pointless. I'm just like, look, man, I've been trying to be in a band that has had any sort of momentum for fucking 14 years. And right now, for whatever reason, it's happening. So let's just enjoy the ride. Let's just have fun. All this shit could end tomorrow. So let's just let's just like make the most of it, you know? Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and we have teamed up to bring you Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal. 2022, which will be taking place on September 2nd at Corona Theater. This year's edition features Deicide performing their classic album Legion in its entirety, along with Cataclysm, who will be performing their classic album Serenity and Fire in its entirety. And we have Inhuman Condition that will be opening up the show. Tickets are flying for this. Uh, if you want to go, you better pick them up via the link in the description of this podcast, because if not, you may just miss your chance. This show is going to sell out. This is a unique metal and beer festival happening in my hometown of Montreal. I'm going to be there. And if you want to be there as well, pick up your tickets. I am beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that you know just loves listening to in-depth interviews, well, you should let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast has over 300 episodes where I do exactly that. If you were to encourage one of your friends to become a future Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be back with Alexander Jones of Undeath. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 341. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I am back with Alexander Jones of Undeath. I am just uh, so stoked to be back with you. Uh, last time we had a conversation was episode 225. Uh, we are over 100 episodes since then. Uh, very, very stoked to be back with you. Let's start with a simple question. Um, how are you doing? Matt, I'm doing great. I am chilling. It's been a nice, relaxing day. Uh, didn't really get up to a whole lot today. And I'm happy to be talking to you. So uh, could be could be doing a hell of a lot worse. That makes me very happy to hear that. I was really looking forward to this. Uh, massive shout out um, to Nikki for, for hooking us up together, breaking the law PR. Uh, I'm going to dig deeper into that topic a little bit later, but let's just reflect on the past year you've had. Uh, I typically, and I did ask you last time, uh, how people have been coping with this wonderful time that we're living through, but I am interested in how you have been doing. How has this past year been for you? It's been a mammoth of a year for undeath. Um, how have you been throughout the past year since the last time you were on the podcast? I've been great, man. I mean, uh, you know, it's personally, I've been, I feel like in a really good space. Uh, just very excited about all the stuff going on with the band and with the album, you know, pretty much like ever since our last interview, maybe like we did that last one. And then like a couple months later, we were kind of just off to the races, like getting this album ready. So like my entire life has pretty much been uh, focused around making this album happen. So the fact that it's finally you know, announced and singles are coming out and videos are coming out and people know about it and are aware of it. it feels incredible. Um, but yeah, dude, I just, uh, I feel, I feel great. I feel very, very Zen at the moment. That's good. That makes me happy. Let's, let's help you be even more Zen. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music and craft beer. Now, what beer are you going to be presenting on your side that we're going to be sharing virtually tonight? All right. So as I was telling you before we started, I actually haven't been drinking a lot around the house recently. You know, I feel like once we get back on the road, all bets are kind of off. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a, 
over the course of lockdown, I kind of developed a sizable beer paunch. So I've been trying to to curb that a little bit, <laughs> but it's a special occasion. So I went to a fabulous Wegmans and I went to and I got a a Rohrbach Brewing Company Vanilla mm. Porter. Uh, Rohrbach's an awesome, very old school brewery here in Rochester. If I'm not mistaken, they are the first, like, uh, or longest lasting, a very least craft brewery up here. Just a, this is just like a classic Rochester beer in my eyes. It's just a solid, drinkable vanilla porter, super bready, super malty. It's a great beer. Sounds delicious. I wish I was having that. But it, we are recording this during my sober February. All my content is sober, and so am I throughout the month. Uh, but I am very, very happy to be holding this. A massive shout-out to, to Drew and the wonderful crew at Kanawaki Brewing. Uh, I actually just got my hands on this today. Um, and last time we were together, I was actually drinking a massive stout by Kanawaki Brewing, and it's not very often I get my hands on them, so this is actually just like perfect timing, and I'm excited about that. This is their non-alcoholic. It's 0.0%. Sometimes they say it's, you know, 0.5. I don't know how we did this. I'll have to ask them. This is their Bridge Zero. It's just a a non-alcoholic blonde. Uh, Cool branding, as usual. It always feels great, their beers. I'm going to crack this, and I would love to hear about taking that break, Uh, deciding to, to... fight the hops is the expression that i'm i'm doing myself (laughs) and i have been doing it since uh the new year because myself as well i played a show heavy montreal presents brutal montreal where cryptopsy was headlining and i saw pictures and i knew that i you know was tying my belt in a different location and i need to work on getting myself back to where i was before the pandemic so i've been fighting the hops so uh, you pour that out i'll pour this out and we'll taste these beers and then we'll dig into uh how we're each fighting the hops cheers brother all right uh yeah let me crack this beer before i tell you all about how i haven't been drinking recently um yeah you know it really it was just like covid was happening and lockdown was happening and i think a lot of people took that as a uh, opportunity to better themselves in some way, whether like health wise. And I kind of took it as an opportunity to stop bettering myself, <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> not out of any sort of like depression or desperation. It was just like, uh, in the months leading up to COVID, I'd just been on this like fitness, uh, craze, like just been going to the gym, like seven days a week. Like I was really just going nonstop with it. And then, you know, lockdown happened, the gyms were closed and I couldn't really, I didn't have weights at home. So, uh, you know, I kind of took that as an opportunity to, relax a little bit and then that opportunity to relax kind of turned into me just stopping exercising 100 percent of the time uh and yeah and then like that coupled with the fact that you know uh me and kyle and the other guy on death like we're all like pretty big partiers like we drink all the time and uh back then i think the, the winds are changing a little bit but back then uh right on the time that we did our first episode it was like new england super boozy hazy ipas were the the soup du jour of uh of beer and uh i was just drinking bringing those all the time like 9 10 11 12 percent ipas like just two or three uh not a day but like every other day it seemed like and then i was like why am i getting all this sense. i don't eat like fast food and fried chicken and stuff all the time like all i do is drink you know two beers a night <laughs> and i was like oh well yeah, that'll do it. You have to imagine how many calories they are. Oh, well, so here's the thing. Like, I, I don't have any way to verify this, but uh, Kyle works at a, a brewery here in Rochester. I think we mentioned last time called Nine Maidens. Yes, you did. Um, yeah, they're just awesome, like great people, really good beer. And uh, I, I was talking with their uh, owner one time, and or Kyle and I were, and he told us about a brewery that I won't mention here in Rochester because I don't want to like, put them on blast or anything. <laughs> But he was talking about their IPAs and their hazies and stuff. And he was like, oh, yeah, dude, like those beers regularly like hit eight, nine hundred calories, a thousand calories a can. Yeah. And I was like, no wonder, oh, fuck. you know, <laughs> yeah, two like, of them is your, your daily allowance. <laughs> right? yeah, exactly. You're not allowed to eat food and there's nothing good in it. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, it's delicious. Yeah, I mean, I love those beers, but they all kind of like locked in the place for me in that moment. I was like <laughs> looking down at my glass and I'm drinking this, you know, cinnamon roll pastry stout. I'm like, oh, this is bad for you. Oh, I understand everything now as you stroke your punch. But <laughs> yeah, so, so after that, I mean, that was a couple months ago and it was just kind of like, you know, it's not like I stopped drinking, but it was just a, 
I really tried to curb my drinking habits at home a lot. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing because I just kind of got into this space where I would get home and, you know, I would just turn on a movie or just sit in front of my computer or something. And then I'm like, well, I might as well drink a beer while I'm here. And, uh, given the taste that I have for beers, they're all beers that are terrible for you. So, uh, <laughs> uh that was, that was just like my big mission for the past couple of months was just to kind of put that by the wayside. And I feel like I've been largely succeeding at that, which has been nice. It's a habit, right? So, so that association of I'm finished work, I'm finished doing the thing that I had to do today. Let's have a little reward. And then you, you get into that like dopamine feeling of, uh, rewarding yourself and feeling good and proud that you accomplished something. Why not have a little beer? And then here you are pounding an extra 2000 calories in a sitting. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and also like the thing that's been, I mean, this seems like the most obvious thing in the world when you say it out loud, but like the thing that's been kind of exciting for me is kind of by not drinking nearly as much at home on the opportunities that I do allow myself to drink at home. It feels more like a reward it feels more uh, like a celebration. And I feel like I'm, I enjoy the beer more because it's not like, you know, I'm just getting home on a Tuesday and I'm like, yeah, I'll crack this 12 and a half percent barrel aged style. Like who gives a shit? Like I, you know, it's Friday and I'm like, I'm going to allow myself two beers tonight. <laughs> and like, ooh, what am I going to get? And then it becomes special. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like touring now when you get to do it. You guys have been lucky. You've done a few really amazing ones, which I want to talk about later, but I haven't gone on tour in a long time. So I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to touring the way that I'm looking forward to drinking a, finally a beer when March hits, but I am joining a lot of these uh, non-alcoholic ones. Uh, this bridge zero is actually really good. Um, it's bready. Uh, a lot of these non-alcoholic beers feel like nothing and they just sort of taste like sweet, malty nothingness, uh, or over like uh, all the IPA ones I find just taste like hot piss i really i'm not into it <laughs> this is cool so cheers to drew and the crew for pulling this off bridge zero very excited uh, <laughs> we got to fight the hops though it's important to find balance fun we can have a lot of fun uh and honestly non-alcoholic beer is a way that i've been feeling great and a lot of them are typically like 30 calories so you can have a few and feel still okay. be done by the time you have like a second one you're like i don't want this anymore let's just make it let's just make a tea let's make a satanic tea and have, call it a night <laughs> uh also like uh just really quick i was just gonna say too like uh, uh this is, it sounds so sad but also like a thing i've been doing very recently is i've been going to the grocery store and just getting like huge 24 pack cases of just regular seltzer like not hard it. seltzer just like like just fruit flavored seltzer it works because uh, yeah. it, it kind of scratches yeah it scratches the same uh like textural itch mm-hmm. sometimes of, of drinking a beer and uh that's just been like a very old man aspect of my <laughs> life recently <laughs> i love it no no i completely agree and i uh, other people have st- a lot of sober people have told me that that's a way that they got through uh going out to a bar for the first time if right. they don't like yeah, the yeah. non-alcoholic beer option a lot of people get deep into seltzers, uh, such as uh, Michael Alvarez of Flub. He loves that shit. Uh, let's dig into uh, your craft beer evolution. You, you were saying that at the time you were really into just the haze, heavy haze. Uh, have you evolved since our last conversation? Are you just like a lager guy now? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the trendy thing to like now, right? <laughs> no, no, no. The trendy thing is doing the transition from being a hophead to only liking lager or appreciating others more got it okay yeah i mean uh you know i wouldn't say i evolved i would say i just kind of pivoted because um yeah i think when we first talked i was pretty exclusively in the in the hazy realm and ever since then like uh i've just been enjoying darker beers a lot more i've been really into porters really into stouts just uh but not like super boozy you know adjunct rich stouts nothing and that's like you know 13, 14% or something like that. Like I do enjoy those from time to time, but just like a solid middle of the road porter, like a, a good stout, something that's like six, 7%. Like, you know, it's just, it's enough to get you a little buzz, but it's also not, you're not consuming a thousand calories in a glass. <laughs> like and a hangover, uh, instant hangover juice. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> I've, I've really been enjoying that, especially like up here. Uh, it gets cold pretty early in the year. So having porters and stouts around is a is a big uh it, it makes the the cold months much more tolerable it's always stout season 
It's a new Vox and Hops slogan that's coming. There is no such thing as stout season. I love stouts in the summer. I love them all the time, but it's all about balance and moderation and having just the right amount so that you can wake up the next day and still conquer the world and fight the hops. I have to talk about the explosion that's happened with Undeath. Um, when we last spoke, uh, Jerry Monk, the Vox and Hops middle architect, and other people from the Thirsty Thursday gang had mentioned you guys a lot. They really have their fingers on the pulse of what's going on in extreme metal. Uh, they knew that you guys were a band to watch. Uh, I'm happy that we had the conversation. I was a fan as well. Uh, and then it was like, boom. And I don't really know what the moment was. The album came out and I saw that it was doing well and I was stoked for you guys. But then I think like a pivotal moment, you can correct me if I was wrong, was when um, you know, Black Dahlia took you out on the tour in the fall. Uh, shout out to Trevor, of course. Uh, he's always knows exactly what's going on in the extreme metal scene. Uh, would you agree that that's one of the key, key moments of, of when Undeath exploded? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Uh, you know, the album came out and, we, you know, we had expectations for it. Like we, we hoped it did well or rather like we hoped our friends liked it. You know, we hoped that our, our <laughs> girlfriends and our family members liked it. But <laughs> Uh, we, we weren't anticipating anything close to the response that it got. So, uh, you know, the record came out and we were just blown away by how well it was doing and how many people seemed to enjoy it. We were just super grateful and honored by that response. And then, yeah, like maybe five, six months before the Black Dahlia tour, we just got a text from, uh, EJ from prosthetic. And he was like, you know, clear your schedule for September and October. Like you're going on tour Black Dahlia. Shit, so it was that early. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty early. It was at least like four or five months before the tour. But, um, and yeah, you know, I was, I, I knew I wanted to do some touring around the album, but, uh, I didn't expect it to be anything as big as a tour like that, you know, and especially a band like Black Dahlia Murder. I think it was like, the perfect band to go out with because we look up to those guys. Like they're Trevor, especially. I mean, they're all fucking super nice dudes. We had the opportunity to chill with them all the time on tour, but Trevor is just like the man, you know, he's, uh, can't even begin to say enough nice things about that dude <laughs> like uh super and i'm cool. sure he would I'm sure he would love for me to show up right now he's probably uh, mortified but he's uh <laughs> he's, he's awesome like he, he's, been a, he's been a day one supporter of us so yeah that tour was a huge 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 opportunity for us and to this day you know when we i mean granted the tour only ended a couple months ago when you think about it but just in the in the months afterwards people hit us up you know pretty frequently saying you know I had never heard of you guys before, but then I saw you open for the Black Dahlia murder, and now I, I fucking love you guys. And it's just comments like that really, uh, really warm my heart. I love that. But it's the perfect tour. It was the perfect for tour for you guys, and I was so excited. You were supposed to come through Montreal. Of course, COVID made that a not thing. Did not happen. I, uh, I was actually going to plan an after party for you guys. I was so excited about that, and I was holding on to hope, but I saw it all coming, and but it's for the you know i knew that the circumstances around around a band a bunch of bands coming through crossing the border coming back out it was very complicated at the time and i don't want to get into the logistics of what all that entails but uh there will be a time when you come to montreal and we will have a party and we will have fun oh hell yeah we're i think we're coming in uh in may right yes with with dying fetus i believe dying fetus yeah it's a massive tour another massive tour but i want to build up to that uh, <laughs> a lot of other cool things happen you got like this massive manager <laughs> you got picked up by one of the biggest fucking metal managers in existence you know like it's the slipknot's management team T tell me that story it's it's funny hearing colin referred to as like the biggest metal manager because like i talk to that dude on a day-to-day -day basis and he's just like a goofball like, <laughs> well he's a part of a but, team uh, 100 yeah yeah um you know yeah we, we just the record was out and uh we just kept getting fielded with these questions about doing like shows and and just different opportunities and stuff that i didn't really know how to handle myself anymore because mm. uh, it was you all before it was pretty much 100%. Well, I don't want to discredit anybody else in the band. Like, everybody put in their work. Everybody was really, you know, grinding to make the band happen. But as far as a lot of, like, the more logistical aspects of things, just, like, organizing and stuff like that, I feel like I did take on a brunt of the work. And uh, I just felt like after the record came out, so many things were happening so fast that uh, I just didn't really know, like, the language anymore. I didn't know what was right, what was wrong, how to approach things. And uh, I just reached out to... Steve Joe over at Prosthetic. Oh, who, yes. The man. Like, yep. Steve is just yep. the best. Yep. I met him a long time ago. Yeah. 
Yeah, he is. He when we played in Milwaukee on the Black Dahlia tour, he bought me like a hundred and ten dollars of Bud Lights. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you. It was a good decision to sign you. <laughs> which, which in venue terms is like five Bud Lights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I just I reached out to him via email, and uh, um, I was just like, look, dude, like I don't know if you can be of any assistance with this, but you know, what do you know about managers? Like, what do you know about management? Like. Can you just point me in the right direction? He got back to me and he was like, you know, it's funny. I actually do know this guy, Colin, who manages a band on Prosthetic called Wrist Me Razor. And uh, I I feel like you guys should get in touch. So he organized a call with us and I talked to him and uh, we just hit it off. You know, I think uh, I, I was trying to be like very business minded on the call. And I think Colin was just trying to like hang out. So it was like <laughs> there was some wires getting crossed. Um, but, you know, we just we clicked really, really fast and uh at the end of the call he was basically like look man like i really about what you guys are doing uh if you are into it like i'd love for you to take me on as a manager and i respected that because he during the call he wasn't just like you know filling our heads up with empty promises he wasn't like i'm gonna get you on tour with this band and this band and this band i'm gonna make you guys fucking millionaires like he was which is hilarious in death metal but he was like uh he was just real he's just level with us he he talked to us about like what you know Asked us about our, our goals and our ambitions, and we just had a nice, long, healthy conversation. And then, you know, afterwards we got together, we talked about it for a little bit, and then we took them on like the next day. And it's been pretty fucking smooth sailing ever since. I'm not surprised uh, when you're a part of a massive team like that. Uh, doors tend to open, so I'm not surprised that everything's going really well. Another great decision we spoke about a little bit earlier: uh, Nikki breaking the law. PR, uh, she just launched her company and every client that she has is just massive. So some massive cheers to her. How easy was that decision? Because there's a lot of options out there. I get a lot of emails every day from a bunch of publicists. And uh, how easy was that decision to jump on with Nikki? You know, that, that really wasn't a decision I was involved with. That was just one of those things where, uh, um, you know, one day uh, we just got an email. I think it, I can't remember if it was from like Colin or somebody at Prosthetic. They were just like, hey, uh, I want to introduce you to Nikki. She's going to be doing like publicity for your next album. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, I guess, I guess we're, uh, we're working with this person now. <laughs> and uh, I, didn't, I didn't really think too much of it at the moment. Uh, I was just kind of like more focused on making the record at the time. But uh, she's been incredible. Like she is awesome. Uh, she's just super friendly, super great to work with. Uh, you know, really kind of has a knack for organizing and making everything streamlined in a way that I super, super appreciate. And, uh, I would love to keep her around for a long time because, uh, she does really fucking amazing and commendable work for us and a lot of other bands. Mm -hmm. I love, I love working with her, uh, in the short period of time that I have. And I wrote her an email about this. She is the only publicist that takes care of our artists in a certain way that I will bring up without bringing up anything, uh, which respects her wishes. Uh, she's the only one that says, do not ask questions about these things. <laughs> and nobody else does that. At least the people that I'm dealing with. So shout out to her. Uh, thank you for setting this up and uh, keep up the good work and keep taking care of your artists because you're doing a great, great job. I know who I want to thank work you, with Nikki. When Cryptopsy's ready. <laughs> oh hell yeah, yeah. Uh, you you absolutely fucking should. I think that would be an amazing fit. When you were um, writing this record, um, the band had popped. It was a popping into the the hype where you're at now. Um, but was the pressure there to meet expectations from your previous record? Was there, uh, cause you, there was a hype for you guys, but not at where you're at now. Did you get to write without the pressure of having to upkeep that level of uh, excitement for the fans that just adore you now? That's a great question. I mean, I think, uh, you know, internally we always place a certain amount of pressure on ourselves, you know, uh, with, with lesions, I think we just, you know, put our whole fucking foot into that record and we were just trying to make like the best death metal record that we could make. And, uh, when it got the kind of attention that it got, I think our, our mindset pretty naturally shifted into, okay, like let's do the best that we can all over again. You know, let's, let's find, you know, we weren't trying to coast. We weren't trying to get cute with like, you know, sophomore album stuff, like adding, uh, synthesizers and uh, clean vocals and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, I just wrote down their name. I swear to God. <laughs> i swear i swear to you i just i just wrote down their name 
<laughs> I mean, hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> but I just wrote down their name. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I'll cut that's, that out. That's but... <laughs> no, that's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, like we just didn't we didn't have that mindset. Like we uh, we were just like, okay, you know, here we kind of looked at the elements that we thought worked the best on Legions. Uh, we knew the songs that we liked the most. We knew the songs that we liked playing live the most. And our mindset was just kind of like, let's just double down on all of those elements. Like, let's just put our heads down and just look at the things that work and extrapolate as much as we can out of them. And, I, you know, I, I think uh, that's that was really kind of our our whole mindset throughout the entire recording process was just just making the best undeath record that we could make. And but as far as like external pressures, I mean, I feel like there was even less this time around because with lesions, it was like, we had just signed a prosthetic and we had a pretty strict, you know, due date for yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. when to turn in the record. And uh, we kind of weren't exactly prepared for it. <laughs> you know, the, the deal and the signing, like it, it was very cool, but like it, it kind of happened really fast. So we had like half a record written and we just had to like, were you like, yeah, we'll be ready. We, we got a whole bunch <laughs> yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Steve, <laughs> EJ, if you're watching this, uh, just close your eyes right now. <laughs> but, but yeah, you that's exactly what happened. Too, maybe, but... or you block your ears. Yeah. Too. <laughs> um yeah but uh yeah you know we just uh this time around we had like two weeks in the studio we instead of whatever we had last time which was like three days um we had a lot more time just to like really luxuriate in the songwriting process really kind of like spend way more time in the studio just going over tones going over just uh arrangements and stuff like that uh, getting everything as tight as possible. A lot more like layering this time around really stands out to me, you know, especially now that we're a five piece, you know, we had so many more opportunities for solos and guitar harmonies and and like background vocals and stuff like that. So we're really like internally, we're always placing pressure on ourselves, but externally, I feel like the making of this record was a way more easygoing process. And it's also, you, you guys must understand what undeath is more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I took a, took a drink while you're asking a question. No stress. I, I get you. I get you going. Yeah, uh, you know, being a band for not so many years, you really have to grow into understanding what your sound is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, inspiration has been very clear to us from the beginning. You know, we we like what we like, and we're vocal about what we like, and those influences are really important to us. And we're we're not the kind of band that is going to go into a songwriting process with you know, like, oh, all of a sudden, like, we don't like death metal anymore. Like, we're not going to make a death metal record. Like, we're always going to fucking like death metal. We're always going to be just 100% a death metal band. And when you have that firm of foundation in your creative process, it makes everything happen much more naturally because you know, you know, it, not to sound too, like, new wave about it, but you, you know what your truth is. You know what you're, what you're going for. And everything else just kind of happens very easily after that. Hmm. What would be, you know... A few years ago, there were bands such as Two Mold, Blood Incantation, that were really the kings of this new wave of extreme metal, of death metal. I feel like you guys are the new reigning kings at the time. How does that feel? Heavy is the head that wears the crown. So, so how, how do you keep it going now? Obviously, you have this new record that's going to come out, but you sort of wrote it before you were wearing the crown so so this is a yeah. bit more stress i would be stressed is basically what i'm trying to say <laughs> yeah i you know like uh maybe it's not a good answer but i just try not to think about it <laughs> like, uh, that's probably the best way to do it because if you you start over analyzing and then you probably wouldn't have fun anymore right and and that's paramount to me is having fun you know i just want to have a fucking good time being in a band i want to go out and play shows and go on tour and meet people like that's that's my modus operandi you know that's what i'm trying to do uh but you, you know it's just the kind of thing where it's like uh i when i think about stuff like that about how like much press on death is getting and how kind of like you know popular we've gotten over the past year or so in terms of just like people who come to our shows and like recognize us and and talk about us online and stuff like that when i really start to overanalyze all those aspects uh, I kind of flash back to like earlier in my life when I was in other bands and the, the prospect of doing anything or achieving anything close to 
what on death has achieved was just like a fantasy to me you know did it seem like really out of reach yeah did it ever seem possible to like for me i was from montreal so i would go jam there's this classic building called cité de mille and you'd go there and then you would see alex again from despise icon you'd see cryptopsy walking through before i was in the band so it seemed realistic because we're all jamming in the same building if they did it we could do it was was it ever like that for you guys you know it was like i feel like i always knew that it was a possibility to achieve like that degree of success but i just never really thought it would happen to me you know it, it was and i really looked up to a lot of my friends from around here who were in bands that had some degree of success like i'll shout them out right now there's a they're not metal but there's a pop punk band from around here called such gold um and i and they have had like a pretty extensive and varied career like lots of ups and downs and stuff like that but those guys are really good friends of mine and when i first started going to shows around here they were like sort of beginning to get a lot of hype around them and you could feel that energy in their shows in rochester like you know you would go and there'd be people just like, there's so much energy around them because they were kind of like happening at that moment. And uh, I, I viewed that with so much admiration. I just wanted to be in that kind of position. And then when I actually met and, you know, talked to those dudes and became friends with them, I was like, oh, they're just normal guys. Like they're, they're just people who have found themselves in a situation where something they're doing is working and it's at the right place at the right time. And they're just making the most of it while they can. So you know, now that I feel like on death is in a very similar position where for whatever reason, something is just working with our band. Uh, we just have a ton of like really positive press and, and attention around us at the moment. I'm just trying to stay present. I'm, I'm not trying to overanalyze overthink. I'm not trying to brood on anything. I'm not trying to get like precious about like what my art means to me and what it means to the people who like my band. I feel like all that shit, it's just so pointless. I'm just like, look, man, I've been trying to be in a band that has had any sort of momentum for fucking 14 years. And right now, for whatever reason, it's happening. So let's just enjoy the ride. Let's just have fun. All this shit could end tomorrow. So let's just, let's just like make the most of it. You know, very wise words bask in it enjoy it because you never know when it might be gone but it's not going anywhere hey what's up fox and hopsins i just want to take a little moment about cryptopsy's upcoming tours that's right i'm talking about the scream of perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called as summer burns the scream of perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of may and runs all the way until the end of june we are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I am interested in the Dahlia tour was probably the biggest tour you've ever done. By far, yeah. Uh, was it the most extensive, the longest tour? Yeah, Um you know, I, I had been out for like two weeks was probably like the longest I've ever been out. Uh, the other guys in the band, I mean, they've done like weekends and stuff like that. I think Tommy, our bass player is probably the only other member who's done any kind of like tours longer than a week before, but none of us had ever gone out for like six and a half weeks on the road. So that was, that was a very unique experience for all of us for sure. Absolutely. And you'll never, ever forget that tour. The first tours are always the most memorable ones. You could do a bunch afterwards and sadly they somehow feel less important, but what would be if you had one lesson, the life lesson, tour life lesson that you learned the harshest <laughs> life lesson that you learned on tour uh, with Dahlia that you'll remember for probably the rest of your touring life. It's an excellent question. I think uh, it would just be to be a decent person because I, when, when Undeath got on that show or got on that tour, we were so green. Like we still are, you know, we, we've never played shows with like actual 
uh, like sound and light people before. Never played any shows with uh, like stage hands or like set times and stuff like that. Like we were just, we're all fucking DIY, like punk rockers, man. Like we just, we roll up 30 minutes before doors and throw <laughs> shit in the stage room and then whatever happens, happens. But uh, that, that Dahlia tour really introduced all of us to a degree of like professionalism and uh, just like uh, cohesiveness from a touring standpoint that none of us had any experience with. And the reason why all that shit works, besides obviously all the hard labor that people do to make tours like that happen, is it works when the bands on the tour are are nice and are like and are genial and they like hanging out and they're not just like locked in their bandwagon or the tour bus just like not talking to anybody the entire time like th- those tours work when bands are mingling and there's small talk and it, there's a sense of camaraderie and togetherness there and there absolutely was that on that black dahlia tour i feel like uh basically all the bands were super chill like we all got to know each other and uh it really kind of opened my eyes to the fact that like you know touring on a scale like that can only work when there's no ego involved and that's that's definitely a lesson that I'll take with me for the rest of my band life. It's a wise, wise decision because uh, we all talk to each other and the assholes get smelt out really <laughs> quickly. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, we just, you know, we we rolled into that tour and we, uh, we didn't have any pretensions about ourselves. We were like, we're the fucking youngest band here. We're stupid. <laughs> everyone had been there though they've they're, most of right. the bands on that tour are bands that did exactly what you did that time so absolutely yeah and and i think a lot of them took the, took us under their wing in that sense you know uh they weren't like scolding us or anything when we like did anything <laughs> wrong you know we, what's the biggest fuck up you guys did <laughs> <laughs> um i can think of two yeah it was just like all, all the fuck ups and just uh like uh, anything that we did wrong in the tour was just honest, like misunderstandings. <laughs> so we didn't know how things worked. We didn't roll into that tour, like acting like fucking big shots or anything. We just like found ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time at certain moments. <laughs> but this is our merch was, spot. Our merch spot. We already set up here. <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. We just, we rolled up and wherever Nick, uh, Black Dahlia's tour manager told us to go, we would go. But um, I, I remember the first night of tour, we were in Chicago and, uh, Somebody had told me, like, right after doors opened, because we played first, obviously, they were like, be at the side of the stage, like, ten, five, ten minutes before your set time, so that when it hits seven o'clock, you're ready to just walk on stage and start your set. And I was like, that's great advice. Start our set ten minutes early. Like, I never thought about that. <laughs> so, uh, we all get on, we all get up inside the stage, and I look at my phone, and it's like 649. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, close enough. So we, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So we walk on stage, player set, everything goes great. And I get off stage and Colin, our manager was actually at that show. And he came up to me and he was like, dude, you fucking killed it. Great set. Uh, why did you start like 12 <laughs> minutes early? That was so weird. <laughs> he's like, Nick, uh, Black Dahlia's tour manager is like, he's kind of like pissed about that. <laughs> now like, the whole show oh, is God. off. He, he did papers. Yeah. He printed all those papers. Yeah. His tour managers bring these little printers and they're You're constantly right. fight. They're always broken normally. <laughs> <laughs> and they got to get it repaired at least once a tour. <laughs> I was so gutted when he said that. I was just like, it's we're, we've been in this tour for eight hours and i've already <laughs> fucked up so bad uh, and then like you know i went up to nick and i apologized to him i mean he's like the fucking nicest dude and he was like hey man it's fine just don't do it again i was like all right word and then uh the other one i can think of was much smaller but uh <laughs> we when we roll up to those shows we were oftentimes sharing a green room with rivers of nile and they had those little like laminates on the doors that had all the band's logos on them and we thought it was so cool just to have like a laminated piece of paper laminated piece of paper yeah. with our logo on it yeah yeah so the first two nights we stole them and just put them in the van and we were like, they probably have a billion of these. And uh, on the third show, Nick came up to us and he was like, who are the little punks who keep stealing my laminates? Because like, he printed them and he that. plastified them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tour, man- tour managers are the best, but they got it the worst. <laughs> oh, dude. I, the, the shit that... And he was wearing merch for Black Dahlia Tour, so oh, he... Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. T- yeah, he had his playful for sure. But, I mean, those are really like the only... We got all of our major fuck-ups done in like the first three or four days and then from, from from there on out we kind of knew the knew the game you know i love that it's time to rise from the grave it's coming out uh april 22nd um 
I'm stoked about it. We talked a lot about building it, recording it. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the probably the funnest part of this whole experience of creating an album. These gory-ass videos. Talk to me about these. Uh, how much fun is it to create and record uh, these massive videos with blood all over your face? Uh, is it fun or is it a pain in the ass? No, it's super fun. Uh, uh, it's especially fun this time around because, you know, especially for the Rise video, none of us has ever really been involved in a video that had like a set or uh, people working on it that yeah. weren't just like our friend with a camera, you know? Yeah. So that was a very uniquely cool experience for all of us. Um, and it was awesome. You know, we, we did them all with uh, Eric Easterday, who is a good friend of ours. We met him right after we finished recording the album because we needed somebody to take pictures of us and we needed new promo pictures because we didn't have any as a five piece, I don't think. And uh, I met Colin, uh, linked us up with him. He was like, I know this dude who's in Philly right now, he takes great pictures. And we just struck a really good friendship with him really fast. And when it came time to shoot videos, you know, we were aware that he did video work too. So it was kind of a no brainer just to hit him up. And thankfully he turned out to be really great at his job. <laughs> like he's, he was awesome. He crushed all those videos. He kind of got exactly what we wanted, you know, vision wise. Uh, it was like, horror movie and, and B slasher flick theme, but it also isn't, I don't think it's like too silly. No, no, I don't think it's silly. No. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of bands when they go for like the horror movie aspect, they're like very goofy about it. And no, for no, us, we it seems wanted, very straight and serious. And we wanted to play it straight, kind of winking a little bit. That was like our, our whole uh, vision for the videos. And I think Eric nailed that perfectly. And yeah, he's awesome. I can't really recommend him enough. Awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, last time we were together, we spoke a little bit about beer collabs. Nine Maiden. Kyle works there. How is Kyle? How's he doing? Kyle's great. He, uh, he wished he could be here, but uh, he got he got wrapped up in some uh, video game related plans. There's a pretty major video game dropping tonight. And, there uh, is. He's there our, is. And uh, he got, he forgot that this was tonight. So he was like, yeah, I talked to him at practice actually a couple hours ago and he was like, look, man, I would love to make it, but I've already taken off like two days of work to do this and play this game. I have a coworker at work that tried to take tomorrow off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I know about it. Um, I actually tried to include you guys in Brutal North America, my crazy collab project I did last year. I wrote a message to Nine Maidens and they sadly never got back to me. And sounds like nine maidens. As I set up Brutal North America, I had like a routine ritual of how to make it work. The brewery had to agree before I got a band on because obviously the band is going to say yes. A brewery might not say yes. And nine maidens sadly never got back to me. So there was no undeath Brutal North America beer, but I would love to do one in the future. You've done a bunch of collabs with them. If you could do something new, though, something just for you, what would you do for yourself? A brand new undeath collab. Well, first of all, I would love to do a collab with you in the future. That has to happen. And I'm going to send Zeb from Nine Maidens a very strongly worded email <laughs> once we're done here. Because <laughs> um, uh, it sounds like him. He never gets back to me either. But uh, if I had to do a collab, uh, you know, I would love to do just a super drinkable, like, just 4 or 5% Pilsner. I Just because I remember Gate Creeper did a beer with KCBC a couple years ago. And I don't remember, I think it was just like a lager, right? It was like a hop lager or something like that, but uh, it was awesome. And uh, it was the kind of beer that I could easily envision myself drinking 300 of. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I, would, I, would love to, I would love to do a beer that was like super crushable and that people would want to come back for more of. Mm, that's the best type of beer, you know, and, and the calorie count must be less than 2,000. <laughs> yeah, unless you're drinking three of them, so. <laughs> then you also probably have some other problems you need to work out <laughs> uh, um let's talk about uh, your parents and friends uh, you, you mentioned that you've invested your whole life into this new record um and now finally you're unveiling it so your parents your friends everyone has been uh understanding that you're doing so much for undeath uh what is their reaction now that there's such a success do they understand it <laughs> um you know i don't think that they understand like the the appeal of the music but like especially like my parents like i think uh they listen to undeath and they're like yeah it's just my, our our youngest son's 
thing that he's involved with. But I think uh, <laughs> ever since like the the press around this album and the the whole cycle of releasing it has just been so intense, and there's been so much more coverage this time around. You know, I think they're kind of recognizing that it's that it's a thing. You know, it's not just like a, a weird lark that I'm doing in my <laughs> in my free time. I think honestly, the thing that for my parents really kind of like the singular thing that made them realize that the album was kind of happening was when we premiered the first single, we got it on the radio and it was on a Sirius XM liquid metal. And it was playing like every hour on the hour for like three days. And so that was something. Yeah. And I was like, that was something that when I was talking to my dad, like he had the the language for it. He was like, Oh, it's on the radio. Like I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> what about the videos? How do they comprehend the videos? What do they think about those? Well, you know, I talked to my mom about that recently and she said that she watched uh, like the first 45 seconds of the first one and then it started to get too violent. And she was like, I'm sure the rest of it was good. <laughs> and then I remember when she watched that one, I knew that we had the head splatter video coming up next, which is like a thousand percent more violent. And I was like, you might just want to skip the next one. <laughs> now, how about your friends? How do they understand? Uh, I went through a certain period when I joined Cryptopsy where it was hard to stay in touch with your friends obviously now i've been in the band for 15 16 years the friends that i am still friends with are people that will be there no matter what and i'm sure that's what your answer is going to be but uh, how have your (laughs) friends reacted to you not being as available to them since you're putting so much more energy and time into the band i feel like they're used to it by now because i feel like as long as as long as i've known the people that i've been friends with the longest i've always just been like uh, this is how I perceive myself, but I feel like I've always just been like the guy in bands. Like I've always just been trying to make like various bands happen. So when I devote all this time and energy and, you know, just a personal willpower to like making bands happen, uh, nobody is really put off or surprised by it anymore. Cause they're like, Oh, that's, there's Alex with his weird little project. He's just not available. <laughs> <laughs> I make time, but I mean, I, I feel like most people in my life who are still around kind of realize that like music comes first for me. And uh, I think the fact that it's, it seems like it's starting to pay off in a pretty major way. I, I think most people who have known me for a long time are stoked about it. You know, I, I get texts and, and DMS and messages from people that I went to high school with who I haven't talked to in years. And, uh, it was actually happened recently. This, uh, a good buddy of mine, Mike, uh, who I went to high school with, he was like two grades above me and I hadn't heard from him since he graduated. So this is, we're talking like, you know, 10 years ago. Um, he just hit me up and he was like, dude, I saw you like, uh, on the cover of pitchfork. Like, that's crazy. Like what, like, uh, what's going on? Like, what is this band <laughs> that you're in? Uh, so I feel like the, the attention on death is getting is starting to cross over a little bit into those more, uh, like not metal oriented realms a little bit more which is awesome i, I love that it's the, the 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 flag wavers for death metal of the new generation uh we needed it so keep waving it and uh keep just keep being you because you're you're very very level um not egotistical and just seem to be having fun so keep doing that i love that about you uh, last Thank time you, man. i will i always wrap up with a hangover cure last time you mentioned that you, you typically suffer in bed for nine to, ten, nine to ten hours contemplating the horrible decisions you made. Uh, have your, has your hangover cure evolved since the last time we had a conversation? It's evolved in a negative way. It's gotten worse. <laughs> that's I a, feel that's like, age. But <laughs> yeah, I was going to say every year hangovers get harder and harder. I mean, and it takes less and less to get me violently hangover, which is terrifying. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I was just hung over like two weekends ago and I spent, you know, it's like when you get that drunk, your whole next day is just washed. And uh, so I think, what did I say last time? It was suffering in bed for nine or 10 hours and just being full of regret. This time around, I would say it's just suffering in bed for, let's say, 12 to 13 hours <laughs> and being filled with even more substantial amounts of regret. And then when you and I talk a year from now again, it was increased. <laughs> Basically, the week is done. I got drunk once, Matt. You know, <laughs> we'll be old and gray by two, then. <laughs> I had two Heinekens. I'm done. Which was your first beer? I remember that last time too. But <laughs> yes, it was. Um, Alexander, thank you so so much. This is amazing. So happy that we got to reconnect. Um, so excited about everything that you guys are doing. 
I can't wait to see you on tour. I'm definitely coming out to that Dying Fetus tour when it comes through. Uh, This was awesome. Everyone, check out It's Time to Rise from the Grave. It's coming out April 22nd via Prosthetic Records. I know I'm stoked about it. You guys should be too. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, was this ever a fantastic conversation. I'm just so damn stoked and excited about all the hype and all the excitement around Undeath. The album just came out and it's a banger. If you haven't checked it out, you should definitely, definitely do that. It's time to rise from the grave. It's living up to the hype and I'm just so excited to see what Undeath have coming up in their future because I know it's going to be massive. Massive cheers to Alexander for sitting down with me again. I can't wait to hang out in person, which we're going to be doing soon because they're coming up here through Montreal and I'm coming to the show. This is a great chat and I can't wait to continue it then face to face. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive two emails a month that will contain all of the details of everything that has been happening in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I've dropped recently. You'll get to see which episodes I got coming up. You will get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently. And you'll also get to see which albums Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. There's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops metal podcast. I would hate for you to miss a single thing. So sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Helen Media and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a great rest of the week. I have one more episode coming out this Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2Z. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.